0: You're listening to Enclave Community Church. For more information about Enclave, please visit us online at enclavecc.com.
1: If you look on this same page, Upcoming Events, every week we have a core value listed. And I thought it was fitting that today's core value uh, corresponds, you know, is it corresponds? Corresponds? you guys know what I mean, with uh, uh, Brian coming today, because I really feel like this is his heart right here, this core value, missional living. And I'm, I'm going to read it to you. If you know Brian, you can, you can almost hear him saying this. We believe the church is not a place where we go, but rather it is who we are. Our hearts desire is to be tangible expressions of Jesus corporately and individually in our homes, places of work, communities, and overseas. God is sending us. We are sent people. God is sending us into the world so that everyone will encounter Jesus in and through us. So we've gathered together today to be equipped to go. Not to be equipped to complain about whatever in the culture, but equipped to go with the message of Jesus Christ, him inside of you bubbling out. And so um, Pastor Brian is going to help us with that, and I'm going to have Jay formally introduce Pastor Brian.
2: Thanks, Andrew. That, that core value of missional living really is a good introduction to, um, to Brian coming and speaking to us today. He really lives that out, you guys. And I know a lot of you know Brian really well, and he's been um, a big part of many people's lives that are here today, um, for me personally, very much so. Um, in fact, uh, 17 years ago yesterday, Brian pastored Christian and Wedding. So we go way back. (laughs) Um, And I know most of you know Brian, but, um, you know, just, just so you, some of you may not know that Brian was uh, the pastor that, that um, started Enclave and that, that goes way back, you know, more than 17 years ago. And we've been blessed here at Enclave to have amazing pastors between uh, Brian and Andrew. Um, So, After uh, he started Enclave and and, uh, um, things were cruising along, uh, he surprised us all because uh, he announced that God was calling his family to go to Berlin, Germany, which is one of the most unchurched, unbelieving parts of the world, you may or may not know that. But um, for most of the last 10 years or so, Brian and his family have lived in Berlin and and been missionaries there. And at the moment they're back and they're spending this season uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, Uh, for different reasons, but I I think partly because uh, parents are getting older, and so Brian and Trish are back to kind of be with their folks during this time of their lives, but um, we're just, we're blessed to have him here with us today. Um, I'll invite Brian up, and I'll I'll pray for Brian uh, before he talks to us. (laughs) Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you so much for this man. And what he means to me personally and to so many here today, God, I just, I thank you for the way he, he points people to Jesus and that you've used him to do that over and over in so many people's lives, God, wherever he is in the world. And today I just thank you that he's here to do that. Um, and I just pray that you prepare our hearts to hear him um, speak to us and, and, and let us uh, hear your voice through him today, God, and be encouraged by him. I pray that um, you just continue to bless him and his family,
0: and uh, this time especially, amen. Ah, Whoa, all right. Just would not be enclave without some technical difficulties. This is historical. This is, I can assure you, this is a historical uh, thing. Uh, But but coming back here, uh, it just always feels like coming home. Uh, of, Of any place in the world, this is where it feels in this place with you, is how it feels. And so if at some point this morning I just burst out in tears or something, please don't think I'm less of a man for that. But it's just that uh, uh, being with you guys is always such an encouragement and just love being with you and, and sharing with you and seeing what God is doing here. So, uh, so this is my, my family, kind of a more recent picture. And so um, you might notice that uh, before I didn't have a son. I have three daughters, but I now have a son. And uh, he, he uh, married my oldest daughter, Reagan, and they are sitting right over here. So this is my son-in-law, Yoram. and. <laughs> He is a true Berliner, born and raised in Berlin. Uh, finding a young man who loves Jesus and serves him in Berlin is truly harder than finding a needle in a haystack. This is not even hyperbole. And uh, Jorm just loves the Lord and we are just so grateful for him as a, as a son. And uh, so then my daughter Reagan is here. You guys remember Reagan? She was quite a bit smaller when we were here. And uh, she is just finishing up her last semester of uni. we Will graduate uh, in December. And then my daughter Emma is here also. So y'all, you guys remember Emma. And she is uh, doing a lot right now, working, teaching English to refugees and uh, a lot of other stuff going on in her life. So um, Trish, my wife and Morgan couldn't be here today. Morgan's still at school this week, um, but uh, this, this is our fam. And yeah, like Jay mentioned, we've, uh, we've just needed to, to be back in the U.S. for a season of time. And a lot of that related to our, our family and some, some just things we need to, I uh, spent a little more time with aging parents and just, just needed a season of time back here. But when we were praying about where we would be, we, we very much knew that our calling to the peoples and to the nations to live missionally amongst the people and the nations, that that hadn't changed. We knew that our location needed to change for a, for a season of time, but that calling hadn't changed. And so as we were just kind of knowing this was coming, we just literally sit on the computer with Google Earth opened up in front saying, God, where is this place? Where can we be close enough to parents? But where can we be in a place where our family thrives? Where can we afford to live? And where are there lots of international people? Uh, And so we currently are living in the the greater Phoenix area. And Aiden, if you show up that next slide, uh, we are working primarily these days with refugees and international students. And in the area where we are living, there are lots and lots and lots and lots of both international students and refugees. In fact, uh, Arizona State and the other universities and colleges in the Phoenix area have uh, actually some of the highest numbers of international students in the entire world. Um, And and, and what's what's interesting about this and, and what God is doing in this is that we are finding that some of the best of the best of the world come to the U.S. for education. In fact, it's been shown that 75% of all the world's leaders are educated in the U.S. Uh, And so we are in this situation where we are interacting with people from many nations. In the last four weeks, I think we've had people from 10 or 11 different countries in our living room. Uh, And we are having dinner with them. We are playing some games with them. And we're doing discovery Bible study with them. Uh, Literally 36 hours ago, uh, in our front room, we had eight students from the largest Muslim nation in the world uh, eating dinner with us, and we were doing Bible study with them. Uh, Six of the eight, very much Muslim, actually two believers amongst that group. Uh, about three weeks ago, I had two people in, uh, literally doing Bible study in our kitchen, doing discovery Bible study in our kitchen. One man from Afghanistan, another one from Indonesia. And literally, they had never, ever heard the gospel. This was the first time they'd ever heard the gospel in their lives. Um, and so, so what we believe God has us doing right now is to have an influence and an impact on the nations uh, through spending time and sharing the gospel and pouring into these international leaders who are here. Another thing we get to do is we're, we're meeting some leaders from, particularly from the African continent right now who are believers but are here doing advanced degrees. And we just have the opportunity to coach and mentor and pour into them as they are planning to go back and start ministries in various countries in Africa. Um, so anyway, that's just kind of a glimpse of what we're doing right now. Uh, just still very much called to the people and the nations. And we're just in a place where, um, I'll, I'll be honest, it's, it's hard living back in your passport culture sometimes. Um, and it's, it, I don't wake up every day going, yay, I'm glad to be back in my passport culture. Um, but I do see God's purpose in it. And, uh, and so I, I just want to say thank you. Um, because you guys... And enclave uh, through so many ups and downs have just supported us and have loved us and have walked with us and um, you, you know this is this is true ministry partnership. The Miller family we don't do this alone. It doesn't happen alone. The Sanchez family doesn't do this in Tanzania alone. Nobody does it alone. It's like we we we, we do it together. And so um, thank you. Um, as, a, as a community of Enclave and, and many of you as individuals who have just supported us uh, with your financial support, your prayer support, just in all the ways you've done that, um, I just want to say thank you. Um, it means the absolute world to us. And thank you for continuing to support as we continue in this calling that God has. You know, there are going to be people standing before the throne of God one day because of your support. There are going to be peoples whose lives are changed. And so, thank you. All right, I'm going to try to quit crying now, but thank you. <laughs> I just want to say thank you because it is so, so meaningful. So, All right. Hey, I, got to, I have a message I want to share with you today. I'm gonna tell you right up front, about 5.30 this morning, I woke up and God completely messed it all up. Um, and so uh, I'm gonna share with some of the stuff I've got written down. There's some stuff I don't have written down. Have no idea. I, I told Pastor Andrew, um, you know, I I'm normally, the guy likes to have everything kind of written down. I've got, especially because I don't preach a lot anymore. So I, I try to write it all down. And So I've got some stuff written down I'm gonna share with you, but there's some other things that, that so, so my prayer is that this just makes sense and that the, you, know, you don't go, man, that guy, that was strange today. Yeah, I, I hope it isn't that. Um, it might be strange, but uh, I, I just wanna share some things with you this morning. Uh, you know, some people have what I would call a life verse. Just a quick show of hands. Anybody here, would you say, I've got kind of a life verse? Like, I feel like this is like a theme for my life or something God has given me. I mean, is that still a thing? Yeah, a few people, yeah, yeah. I, I kinda grew up in the church and lots of people had this. Like, I've got this life verse. This is, this is what God has given me. This is what it, my life was about. And I, I never had that. In like, I was a little jealous. Like, well, why don't I have that? So I'm about to tell you that after 52 rotations around this sun, I finally have one. All right, and, and I want to share it with you. It's kind of the, the, the foundation for what I want to share this morning. Um, now, now if, if this is your life verse, I apologize, I'm not trying to steal it. I think we can share it. More than one of us can have the same life verse. If you don't have one and you say, hey, this is awesome, please, I share it freely, let it be your life verse. Uh, but, but I have just been fascinated this year by this passage. And so we'll go back and talk a little bit behind why this is such a significant verse. But, but, but here it is, and we'll put it up on the screen here. It says, now as you can see, The Lord has kept me alive and well, as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I am 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. That's a great passage. Now, you might hear that and think, this is just some 85-year-old dude talking smack. (laughs) You know, with his cane. Yeah, uh, I can still fight like I could back then, man. I'm just as strong. You might think he's just talking smack, but when you read on in the story, what you find out is that it's true. He's still fighting. He's still traveling. This dude is a stud at 85. All right, it's all true. So the person who's speaking here is a historical figure that we know as Caleb. And we know about his life because he was tasked with being a spy. And that's why we know about his story. And so I want to I share a little bit about his story this, this morning. But why is this passage so significant? Why does it stand out so much? Um, you yeah, know, I gotta stop here for a sec. I, so many of my firsts in life had to do with Enclave. So this is gonna be a first ever. I'm gonna have to put on reading glasses so I can see my notes. Um, I apologize, yeah, I don't know. I can't see you very well, but I can see these notes. Uh, so I, I've never done this before. So I just, I put them in my pocket because I thought this might happen, especially if I cry. So but, but, but this passage, it, it stands out. Because it, it, for me, it raises the question, am I going to finish well? Am I going to finish well? With, with the current trajectory of my life, if, if God so gives me the opportunity to live to 85, where am I gonna land? You know, th- this, this is a man, that's when I read this, 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 this story of Caleb, I see this is a man who is finishing well. He's 85. I'm as strong as I was 45 years ago. I can travel. I can fight. And we discover that he is still providing for his family. He's helping them settle in a new land. We get this picture of vibrancy and engagement and strength. It's the picture of a man who is still serving God. And you guys, that is just so often not the picture that we see today. So many times we see people not finishing well and just kind of giving up or or just choosing to kind of retire comfortably, but, but not really continue to make a difference in the lives of the people around them people plateauing and, and not wanting to, to improve in their life. Or, I, I, you guys, honestly, in these last couple years, I've just seen stories of people just walking away from the faith, renouncing their faith, and not finishing well. But that's not the story here. Of, of Caleb. Now, some of this best the best research that we have on finishing well comes from uh, a man named Robert Clinton. Robert Clinton was a, a professor at Fuller Seminary for a lot of years. And he spent a couple decades of his life studying this issue of how do people finish well? And so the research that he did really went from looking at every character in the Bible that he could as well as contemporary leaders. And he's he's just asking the question, how is it that people finish well? And and after all of his studies, this was kind of boils down what he discovered. Um, And I put it up here on the screen for you. He says this, there are around 800 or so leaders mentioned in the Bible. There are about 100 who have data that helps us interpret their leadership. About 50 of these have enough data for evaluation of their finish. About one in three finished well, about 33%. Anecdotal evidence from today indicates that this ratio is probably generous. Probably less than one in three are finishing well today. So his research shows that that, that, that this finishing poorly manifested itself in so many ways in so many lives. Sometimes it was the misuse of finances. Sometimes it was the abuse of power. It was pride. It was illicit relationships, people getting caught up in all kinds of garbage. It was family issues, people not hanging in there with their families and working hard and doing well. Um, Oftentimes people do not finish well because they just plateau. They just kind of give up, they get to a certain point in their life and they're just like, I'm kind of done. And because of that, many people in the Bible and many people in contemporary scenes, uh, they don't finish well. And so so for me, this is becoming kind of a personal journey right now. Um, It's kind of a, a, a journey of discovery that I think each of us has to go on. Asking the question, am I on a trajectory to finish well? Now you might say, well, this is about leaders. Well, it's not just about leaders because think about it. We all lead in one way or the other. Whether your leadership is in church or it's in civic, the civic life or it's in business or it's in your home and your family, we all lead in one way or the other. And so as we read about Caleb and his life, uh, we know that this is valid for all of us. We can learn from his life and how he lived so that he finished well. And so, uh, you guys, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to kind of do the end part right now, then we'll get to the rest of the story. But I want to challenge you this morning. As we talk through this for just a few minutes, I want you to ask yourself the question, with where I'm at right now, whether you're 20 or you're 70, or somewhere in between or somewhere on the other side of that, are you on a trajectory to finish well in your life? You know, I think as followers of Christ, the the, the great hope that we have is that we would stand before God one day and we would hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's kind of the pinnacle of this Christian life that we live. And and I think at this point in our lives, we need to ask ourselves, am I on a trajectory to land in that place? Now here's something I I really felt like I, I needed to say As we talk about finishing well, we're talking a lot about what we're doing with our lives. We're talking about our works, our actions. But something that's very important that we need to hear this morning is this, is this is not about our salvation. You know, whether you are in the eternal kingdom with God or not, that really has very little to do with your good works. The only way that we are in an eternity with God is because of the work of Christ and what He has done on the cross for us. You guys, we serve a God who is a God of perfect justice and a God of perfect love. And and because of His perfect justice, He says that all sin must be dealt with. All sin must be paid for. But because of his, His perfect love, He sent Jesus here ultimately to pay the penalty that you and I owe for our sin. When it's all said and done, either we pay the penalty for our sin or Jesus pays the penalty for our sin. And so our salvation is entirely dependent on the work of Christ, and we are trusting in that. Um, And maybe you're here today and you don't yet follow Jesus. Um, and, And I just want to tell you, What's stopping you? Man, he has paid it all for you. And he calls you to himself. We have a loving heavenly father who has provided a way for us to spend eternity. And he is just calling you today. And I know Pastor Andrew talks about this a lot. Um, That's a theme here. He's calling you. And so even as we talk today, man, if if the Holy Spirit is working in you, don't, don't resist that. All right, Jesus loves you, he calls you to himself today. Um, All right, so let's go back and just look a little bit at the story of Caleb here and how he finished well, but but how was it that he lived his life so he did finish well? So, So the Hebrew people, the Israel nation, they had been in slavery in Egypt. God had freed them from this slavery And they had now been walking in the wilderness, been traveling in the wilderness for a while. And they finally came to the land that God had promised to them. God, many years ago, said, this is the land that you're going to live in. He had promised that. So in Numbers chapter 13, Moses, he, he gathers up 12 leaders from the 12 tribes of Israel. And he says, listen, you guys, I want you to go into the land and scout it out. I'm going to send you on a little spy mission. And, and in this, I want you to, to, to find out, what are the people like? Do they live in fortified cities? Do they live in camps? Uh, are they strong? Are they weak? What's the soil like there? What's the, what are, you know, and Moses like, what are the fruits and vegetables like? That's kind of important. We want to know what kind of you know, produce we're getting into. Uh, and so he says, go and find all these things out and come back. So let's pick this up, and you're welcome to open your Bibles at Numbers 13, but we'll also have it up here on the screen. It says this, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They they reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed, and they showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent sent us to explore, and it is indeed a beautiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit that it produces, and they brought a bunch of stuff back with them. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, The the Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites, that's, that's quite a string of words there, live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb, he tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Let's just stop for a minute there. It's fascinating in the Bible that so many times people's names, uh, the the, the meanings of their names are reflective of their lives. So so Abraham means the father of many. Joshua's name means the Lord is my salvation. David's name means beloved. By contrast, Caleb's name comes from the Hebrew word for dog. So when I read that this week, you can imagine, those of you who know me know that only one thing could have possibly come to my mind, because I wanted a, a picture of who Caleb was. And so it's, it's this picture right here. It's Dog, uh, the bounty hunter. Because like, how could you not think that, like if his name means dog? Uh, but, but this is actually a very positive thing, because it actually comes from this idea of being dogged, like being tenacious. Uh, there's some other, some other words that we use in there. It, it's being faithful and zealous and bold and brave. And so from that, we get this picture of who Caleb is. And I want to be like this guy. So let's, let's keep going on the story there. It says, but the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw there were huge, huge. We even saw giants, the Nephilim. They're the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And by the way, that's what they thought too. Well, from here, the story goes downhill really fast. The vast majority of the people, they buy into what the 10 spies are saying. They start wailing and complaining, and, and kind of this mantra starts up, oh, we were so much better as slaves back in Egypt. And they start calling for new leadership to take them back to a life of bondage. And we could talk a lot about that. But let's pick the story back up in Numbers chapter 14. It says, Then Moses and Aaron fell down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing and they said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. And this is a different two sides of a story here. They have no protection But the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Well, let's just talk for a couple of minutes about some of these qualities that we observe in Caleb here. The first thing that we see in the life of Caleb that helps him, the way he's living at this point in his life to finish well, is that Caleb actively promoted God's agenda. Caleb actively promoted God's agenda. In verse 30, it says, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. You see, Caleb isn't sitting passively by while all these other, the other 10 spies are actively disobeying God. They are actively practicing their disobedience. But Caleb's not just standing by. He, he's right there. He's standing for the right way, the way of faith, the way of trusting what God has said, the way of God's will and his plan. In fact, in verse nine, Caleb and Joshua, where they're saying, listen, you guys, don't rebel against God. Don't live in fear. Listen, God's got this. He's got it. What was God's best plan here? What was God's agenda? It was that the people would move into the land that He had promised. He said, Listen, I've, I've got this land. This is yours. And the time has come. Let's get on with it. Let's move in there. But what was the result? What did we see happen? It says that the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Well, what is the whole community? Well, if you, you look at Numbers chapter 1, was it, uh, verse 46, it says that there were 603,550 men aged 20 or older. 603,550 men, 20 and older. So then add in women and children. The whole community is several million people. And it says all of these people came against Caleb and Joshua said, stone these guys. Small amount of people who want God's agenda. The vast majority of the people do not want God's plan, his will, his agenda. You know, you guys, I, I, I want to tell you, if you're going to be about God's agenda, if, you, if you're going to make that choice for your life, and I pray that you do, I pray this would be true of all of us. We cannot expect that the world is gonna stand back and applaud. If you're gonna choose God's agenda, the vast majority of the people are gonna stand against you. In fact, Pastor Andrew and I were talking this morning a little bit, and it's so clear that, that there's many times where when you stand for God's agenda, there's even gonna be people who call themselves Christian who are gonna stand against you. This was, this was the community of God's people and they were standing against God's agenda here. You guys, the social media world, it's not for you. The, the algorithm is not in your favor this current government that we live under, they are not about biblical values and promoting that and applauding that. And we could obviously talk a lot about those things. So the world is going to be against you. Yes, we live in a cultural moment. And I don't know if you guys see this, but I see it. We live in a cultural moment where those who truly follow Jesus and those who do not, the the gap is getting wider. The division is getting greater. I I was thinking about this. Think about the actual literal definition of the word division. Die means two. It's a prefix for the word two. So division literally means two visions. And so if, if you follow Jesus and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, And if you follow Jesus, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You are going to have one vision of what the world looks like and and what this world should be. If you do not follow Jesus, you're going to have a completely different vision for what this world should be. And that division is just growing wider and wider in so many ways. And so for us, you guys, we have to decide which vision are we going to go after Is it going to be God's vision and his agenda? He that's what Caleb was all about. He was calling people to step into God's vision, into his agenda. He has, are we doing this in our lives? What's God's agenda for us? And Andrew just, Pastor Andrew just nailed it with the missional living thing. (laughs) You guys, God's vision is that we would be engaged that this world would know that there is a true and living God, that there is a God who loves them. You know, not everybody in this world is a child of God. Everybody is a creation of God. But God's heart and desire is that that the world would be adopted as children into his family. And for those of us who have experienced that that, that's what we have to give this world. That's part of his agenda. His vision is that, that that's who we would be. We'd be present in this world, that we would be encouraging and challenging each other to deeper walk with God, and that we would be challenging and communicating and loving the people around us to know their Heavenly Father so that they could experience the adoption into his family like so many of us have experienced. And that's his agenda for us. And that's his agenda for the world. You know, you guys, I I think a quality of Caleb here is that he is courageous. There is courage written all over here. And if we are going to be people who are about God's agenda, it's going to mean that we live with courage. You guys, uncourageous, lukewarm, wallflower Christianity does not lead to us ending well, toward finishing well. God calls us to a courageous life of following him and his agenda. Hey, another thing about Caleb here is that Caleb had a different attitude. It says that Caleb had a different attitude. Look at Numbers 14, 24. It says, but my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. Caleb had a different attitude. Now, I I think we know what an attitude is, but let me give the definition here. An attitude is a complex mental state involving beliefs and feelings and values and dispositions to act in a certain way. I I think about attitude in terms of, of posture and orientation. You know, you've probably heard the old saying that the person who says that they can and the person who says that they cannot are both right. You guys have heard that one. That that completely speaks to our attitude. Um, when when you when you think about uh, think about an airplane, an aviation kind of out plane out here in the sky. we we use this definition of an attitude. It's like, is the the attitude of the plane going, banking this way, banking that way, going up, going down? That's, we we say that's the attitude of the airplane because ultimately what the attitude is, that's where the plane's gonna go. That's where it's gonna land. And so that's essentially what our attitudes are. It's like, how are we oriented? Where is our life pointed? What is our worldview? Um, because ultimately, our attitude is going to determine our actions and what we do in this life. And so this says that, God says, Caleb had a different attitude. In fact, there's other translations of the Bible that, that say that Caleb had a different spirit. And that really gives us the same sense of things. This was his posture, his default world view. And so for Caleb, we've already seen that he has an attitude of wholehearted faith. He says, listen, you guys, we can do this. Come on, with God on our side, we can't fail. Let's roll. And in verse 24, we see that God connects Caleb's attitude to loyalty. Caleb's attitude was one of faith in God and steadfast loyalty. It was a posture that said, I am 100% with God. And that was something that flowed from his very attitude. It's who he was and you guys, I, I just want to say that if we are going to be people who finish well, again, regardless of where you're at right now, we have to be the kind of people who have a different attitude or a different spirit like Caleb had. We need to have this attitude, this posture of faith. We need, we need to have the attitude that says, yeah, God, it's, it's you. I'm going to follow you a hundred percent. You know, Hebrews 11, six says that it's impossible to please God without faith. And so do I have this attitude that says, God, you've laid out the best plan for me. Am I orienting my life towards that? Are we pursuing a, whole, a life of wholehearted faith to Christ the King, devotion to Christ the King? Yes, I, I lived outside this culture for for a lot of years and um, I'm just going to be completely transparent coming back into this this culture I've had some struggles Um, it's kind of hard to explain because you think well you're just kind of going home right well kind (laughs) of but it's 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 different and 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 coming back into this, this this culture I just started seeing some things differently and and I'll be honest my attitude has oftentimes not what it should be. This missional living thing has not always been at the forefront of my thinking and being who I should be. Uh, I'll I'll just give you a couple of examples of of, of what has impacted my attitude. And it's really related to the culture that we live in. Uh, My daughter Emma and I were on a college, a, a university tour right when we first got back. And we were kind of in a group of people on campus. And, and it was a you know, great tour, a really excited college person telling us about how great their school was and everything. And then we got to this one place on campus, and, and she got so excited. She said, I got to tell you, we have a lot of clubs on campus, and they're great. But the biggest club that we have on campus, it's great. We love it. We have over 1,000 people in our esports club. I'm like, I've never heard this term. What is, what, is, what is an e-sport? Have you guys ever heard of this? No? Okay. So, so let me just tell you. E-sport is another way of saying, sitting on your butt and playing video games. All right? That's an e-sport. Okay. Yeah, dude, I lettered in Call of Duty or something. You know, I... I'm like, what is going on, America? What the heck? I'm like, yeah, nothing wrong with playing a video game here or there, but like, this is the biggest club on campus? You know, and then I, and then I started reading some articles and seeing some things on TV, and, 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 and there were like, like smart people who were saying things like, hey, you know, men can get pregnant <laughs> and have babies and chest feed. What the heck, America? <laughs> and then I start hearing things like really smart people, and they ask them a simple question. What's a woman? Like, oh, I can't really tell you. What's going on, America? What are you Americans doing? <laughs> What's going on? And I've got to admit to you guys, some of this culture stuff that's going on right now, man, my attitude has just been in the toilet. <laughs> and, and, and I look around at what's going on, and I get frustrated, and I get a bit angry. You know, it wasn't like I didn't hear some of this while I was overseas, but honestly, I wasn't too focused on it because we were pretty plugged into what God had us doing there. And so so over this, this last year, I have I, I just said, you know, God, What are you doing? What's going on? Uh, Honestly, my attitude needs to be like Caleb, but sometimes my attitude has honestly been, God, I'm not sure even you can fix this. That's a pretty bad attitude. And and there's been times where I've been like, you know, God, can we just get on with this whole end of the world thing? You'd say you're coming back and uh, everything's gonna burn. This would be a great moment in time just to go ahead and do that. (laughs) Let's just be done with it. But uh, but you guys, that's kind of dark. Because here's the thing. As followers of Christ, we absolutely look forward to the eternal kingdom. And we want that. And it's good to be excited about thinking about that. But what my attitude, it hasn't been so much that. It's been more like, you know, God, you could just send a lot of these people to hell. Because it's just bad. And I'm just kind of angry at it. And it's not always a righteous anger. You know, what's the heart of our Father? Look what it says in 2 Peter 3, 9. It says that the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. For he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. You guys, my job is to follow Jesus. (laughs) And my job is not to worry about the judgment of other people because God's going to take care of that. My job is while I'm on this earth to have the attitude that I'm a sinner who's been transformed by the grace and the mercy and the love of God. And every one of these people that I've looked at with disdain, God can transform their lives by His grace and His mercy and His power. And is my attitude one of saying, God can do that in their lives, and I need to pray that He does it in their lives, and I need to not be angry at them. Uh, because they've been completely infected by the values of our world that Satan has complete control over. I need to not be about that. I need to say, I serve a God who transforms people. My attitude needs to be one of saying, God, thank you for what you've done in my life, and God, would you do that in their lives as well? Because that's the attitude. And, 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 And again... Caleb's attitude was one of courage. He ran into that. And you guys, our attitude is that we run into this. Jesus came to rescue us. Jesus came here to pull us out of this, and he sends us. Man, we run into this world with the grace and the love and the message of Jesus Christ that says, I still transform lives. I rescue people out of darkness. That's the God we serve, you guys. And let's have that attitude. All right, hey, I've got a whole lot more here to talk about attitude, but we're gonna get past it. Um, I'll just say this. When we look at what happened in this story, the attitude of the 10 spies, they ultimately, their attitude infected the entire community. And what happened as a result, none of the people, several million people that were 20 years of age or older got to enter into the promised land. They all died out there. Caleb and Joshua and the younglings were the only ones who got to enter into the promised land. They all died. The the negative attitudes of 10 people, it doomed the entire community of people. You guys, our attitudes can be life-giving or they can bring death. So let's choose to be people who bring life. All right, one last thing about Caleb here. It's that Caleb fostered resilience in his life. He finished well because he fostered resilience. You know, God made it clear that Caleb would possess and secure the land for his descendants. He was a man of faith, and so he knew that God's promises were as good as money in the bank. But it's obviously he didn't just sit back and cruise for the rest of his life. I mean, mean, a man who's 40 can't just say at 85, hey, I can travel and I can fight just as well as I could 45 years ago. That's not a man who just cruised through his life. Now, we don't have a whole lot of information about Caleb between the ages of 40 and 85. We have a a few hints. Um, This is one of those stories where, like so many other places in the Bible, I'm looking forward to the eternal kingdom so we can have time for these conversations and hear the rest of the story. I'm excited about that. Um, But but we can infer so much from how he lived his life. I mean, think about this. There is a huge physical aspect to this. You know, you, you can't at 85 still be traveling and fighting if you haven't spent your whole life kind of taking care of yourself. All right, you know, how many of you are like in your, 50s. A few of you. Yeah, okay. I know. It's hard to admit these days. Uh, I, I, I get that too. I like to say, you know, 52 is a new 30, but yeah. Uh, you know, think about it. In your 50s, you know, if you will try to go do 40 or 50 good form push-ups, it's a whole lot harder than when you're in your 20s and 30s. All right. Things happen. Just, they happen. And if you're not intentional about staying strong and being, you know, keeping yourself somewhat in shape, And it goes downhill. So so clearly, there was a resilience physically that Caleb built. But think about the emotional and spiritual resilience that Caleb built into his life. And, And this just really struck me as I was thinking about it this week. Think about the heartbreak that he experienced over the course of his life. Every single friend, every single colleague, most of his family members, Caleb watched every single one of them die over the course of his life. They all died. He watched them all. And you know, you guys, despite that, he continued to serve God. He was faithful to God. You know, you guys, sometimes in our lives, when we face hit after hit after hit, when we have incredibly bad things go on around us, I've seen so many times where people's love for God turns cold, and, 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 and God can handle our questions. He, can, he, he invites us to ask questions, but sometimes we, we ask the question of, God, why, why, why? And, and rather than really taking time to hear what he has to say, sometimes our hearts just turn cold towards him, and maybe that's been some of your experience. You know, Caleb obviously built an emotional resilience because despite all of what he experienced through his life, he still got to the end and he said, I serve the Lord and I'm about him. He built resilience. Just one last passage here. It says, so Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kinsite, because, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. And the land had rest from war. Yes, Caleb finished well. And because he finished well, he blessed many generations who came after him. Yes, when when we think about this life of finishing well, I think there could be nothing greater than thinking that and understanding that your life now, serving God, finishing well, can bless many generations to come. Yes, I, I just, even looking in this room, I'm just, I'm blown away. You know, Clark and Sue Ellen, your faithfulness to the Lord is, is now being played out in many generations. Your grandson's going to be baptized today. It's incredible. And there's many others here who could, could say the same things. You yeah, got this, this, this life, this finishing well, it's not just about us. There is a part of that. We want to stand before God and hear him say, well done one day. But, but this life of following God and serving him and finishing well, it's so that we can see blessing in generation after generation after generation. You guys, that's the story God wants for your life. That's the vision that God has for you. And so you guys, regardless of where you're at this morning, I pray and hope that maybe this week you'll actually just sit and take some time and say, listen, what is the trajectory of my life? Am I making decisions? Is the path of my life right now, is it oriented 100% towards faith, wholeheartedly given to the Lord, like Caleb, so that when it gets to that, the end, you'll hear those words, well done, good and faithful one. And that that blessing will be passed on from generation to generation. Would you pray with me? God, I just, uh, I thank you for your servant, Caleb. Thank you for the example he set for us. And we're looking forward to meeting him one day and hearing the rest of the story. God, I pray that we would be people who at this moment in our lives, at this point in time, God, that we would sit with this and that we would think well and that you, Holy Spirit, would speak to our souls and to our spirit. God, that we could answer this question of what is the trajectory of my life right now? God, that we would be a community of people who would be pointed towards finishing well. God, in in how we serve you and how we love each other and how we witness to this world, how we're a testimony of your love and your grace to the world around us. God, that we would be people who have attitudes like your servant Caleb had. God, that that would be true of us. And so God, I pray that you would do in us this week what needs to happen. God, if there's conviction of sin that needs to happen, I pray that you would bring that. God, if there is affirmation uh, of things that we're doing that needs to happen, God, would you do that? God, if there is fresh vision that needs to be found, God, if there is clarity of next steps in our lives, God, whatever that looks like, God, I pray that we as a community of people, God, would be on a trajectory towards serving you and towards finishing this life well. So Holy Spirit, do that work in us. God, I I thank you for this community of people. So Enclave Community Church this morning, I just bless you in the name of Jesus. I just bless you with minds and ears that can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as he directs you in this area of your life. I bless you to be a people who live life well now and finish well, and I bless you as a people who will bless many generations to come because of your wholehearted faith and service to the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we love you today. Amen.